He who lives to be my king died to be my savior. Every king I'm able to read about in history wants you to die so that he can be king. He died to be my savior. And he's worthy of being my king. Praise the Lord. How we have these few hours. You've heard these words from me before. I've thought long and hard about them the last 48 hours. You will not pass this way again. You will never have today again. You will not have this opportunity again for another week if by His grace He gives us next Sunday. Have you praised Him with all your might? Do you love Him with all your soul? All your strength? Do you treasure His Word as something very precious and valuable indeed and sweet to your taste? Do you love His brethren? Do you love to be in the house of God? Would you rather be a doorkeeper here than to dwell in the tents of prosperity anywhere else? You'll never pass this way again. You will be held accountable for this day. You will be asked about this day. You will be asked about the singing this day. Oh, our Lord is able to remember those things. Have we given him all that we can give him? Can we give him a few more minutes? I'm sorry I talk fast. I'm sorry I get too intense. I'm sorry I don't manage time well. I'm sorry for a lot of things. You're just going to have to put up with it. Can, can you be gracious and put up with it? His word is so precious. I wish I could communicate it. I wish I could bring it out in all of its beauty and all of its force and power. But there is a being that can. And in him I trust. And it's the power of the Holy Ghost. He's able to fill you with all wisdom and understanding of spiritual things. So I'll do the best I can. If you'll do your best for a few minutes, let's consider a little further on the subject of a Christian work ethic. Christians work patiently. They don't get in a hurry. Only in the gospel of Jesus Christ is there a free They don't have anything except they're liars and they're lazy. That's why they're telling you a lie, hoping that you'll be a sucker for it and that you'll dip into your pocket to give them money they cannot otherwise earn. Christians work patiently. Christians scoff at the lottery. They despise its concept. They hate its tickets. A lottery ticket is a certificate of guaranteed confiscation. Las Vegas is a Sunday school compared to a lottery. The lotteries in most states are limited to about a 95% payback, meaning that they're going to skim the top of 5% and that's going to pay for my children to go to school, so I'm glad for all the idiots that buy lottery tickets. A lottery is a waste. A Christian works in such a way as never to be wasteful. He values everything that he earns, every dime that comes in in the way of income, as important. A man who is wasteful is brother to him that is a slothful man. The Bible puts them in the same family. They come from the same vegetable. They're both bad. Lotteries are bad. Now, I only mention the words lot, the lottery as an example of being impatient and wanting to get ahead faster. You don't get ahead faster by playing the lottery. A simple person says they pay out 95%. How? What? If, what if I lose 5%? Does that matter? It's, it's 95% of 95% of 95%. And every time you buy, it's 95% of the 95% of the previous time. So you end up with nothing. In Vegas, at least, they pay out 98.5. But you know, 98.5 of 98.5 of 98.5 in three hours at a slot machine will take every penny, every penny you've got. While you walk in with that great big smile, 98.5%, how can I lose in here? Oh, 
they have PhDs in mathematics sitting in a little padded cell back in that place that have computers and they've come up with the payout on all those machines. Now, if you walk into one of these little bookstores or sleazy joints around this county and pay the, and play video poker, see, that's down to like 80%. They don't want you to spend very much time there, so they'll quickly take everything you've got. Why would anybody even think of such a thing? Do you know what the best thing you could do with that 50 cents? Go to a used bookstore and buy yourself a book on how to work. Instead of buying a lot, I don't know what they cost. What do they cost? Is it 50 cents? I don't know. I don't care. Do you know why, the, you know why there's jackpots and lotteries? It's scriptural. The prosperity of fools. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32. The prosperity of fools shall deceive them. There's a jackpot so that they can show it on the television to get the suckers to put in their money so they can take it all. You know, they skim 5% the first time you buy one, and they skim 5% the next time. But you don't have as much as you had the first time, so they keep skimming until you've not got anything left. But it's called the prosperity of fools. And the only way they can get you to do it is to show you the one man out of 150 million tickets that won something. And you know that there are people simple enough to look at that and say there's a chance that I could win something. No, there isn't. It's a form of taxation. It's a tax. There isn't a chance to win. You say there's one in 150 million. That isn't a chance. Would you put in a fraction for me? Is it one quarter? Is it one eighth? Is it one twelfth? Is it one sixteenth? You don't have a calculator big enough. You know what that happens from? Impatience and foolishness and impulsiveness and delusion and deception. There isn't a winner. Those are certificates of guaranteed confiscation when you're holding one of those tickets. Christians work patiently. You know, and when you go to some business meeting or when you go to some sales session that's multi-level marketing or network marketing, just remember this. It's not much better than the lottery because only 2% of the people make the money and the other 98% buy the overpriced product. If the overpriced product had a market, it would sell on its own without multi-level marketing. Don't get impatient. Don't get impatient because somebody gets up front and instead of showing you a jackpot won in the lottery, they get up there and show you a picture of their yacht, their two houses, and they happen to wear a shirt that is one inch too short so that their Rolex is showing every time they reach out their hand, arm. That's all by design. And they want you to say the pledge with them and say the Lord's Prayer with them because they want you to think they're a Christian. But what they're trying to do is to get people to think that there's an easier way to riches than getting up in the morning and going to the factory and cleaning a greasy floor. There isn't a faster way. Right. If there was a faster way, they would be doing it instead of having a meeting at night time. Why are they having to work the night shift? Do these meetings take place at night? Why are they having to work the night shift? Because they don't have a real job. They are doing nothing to add to the productivity of this country. They are selling a product that is unnecessary. They are selling a product that is overpriced. You always be critical. There is no fast way. He that hasteth with his feet to be rich sinneth. If you want to buy their products, go ahead and buy their products. That's a matter of Christian liberty. But don't be sucked into the business opportunity. It's not a business opportunity. It's a fleecing opportunity. And they're going to fleece you. They're going to tell you that you can get rich quick if you'll just join them in their pyramid scheme. All the people that have been discouraged and poor people taken advantage of by Amway is sickening. 
all the delusions of Amway and those that have followed after, all they are is little stepsisters and cousins. None of them have ever amounted to one-tenth of Amway. Amway was centered in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Michigan National Bank of Detroit was their bank of lending. I know quite a bit about Amway. I've seen people messed up by Amway. And all those that followed them never amounted to that first scheme. Have people made money in Amway? Yeah. Have people ever won a jackpot? Yeah. Do you want to bet on both? Either. Why don't you go out and do your job well? Right. Give 10% to the Lord. Put 10% in savings. Enjoy life. Eat your bratwurst. Thank the Lord for the sunshine, and he'll take care of you. Go to work every day and work hard. Outwork anybody else in your profession. God gave you some abilities. Put them to work. Work hard at them. That's where you can make your money. They're in it for the long run. Christians are in it for the long run. They know hard work one day at a time works. That's just the way the ant works, doesn't it? That anthill pops up, but you know what? They, you know how it's built? One grain of sand at a time. We've been over this before. Rome wasn't built in one day, the world says in an idiom. But that's because the Bible teaches the same thing. Get up and go plow your fields. You've got to wait a whole year for the harvest. There might be rain that year, and the yield on your field might be half of what the yield was the previous year. But if you keep getting up every spring and trusting the Lord and plowing your field and harvesting it over the 50 years of a lifetime of productive labor, the Lord's going to bless you and take care of you because Christians work patiently. They don't get impatient. You don't go into school every day. I'm never going to finish this class. Oh, yes, you will. You'll finish this class in 16 weeks. It's only as long as a semester. Just go and do it. In the whole Crosby family, they know exactly what I mean when I say pick up the next bun. Every morning, we went into a Schlotsky's deli. There's a mountain of buns that have to be sliced in half very carefully. Because there was a curmudgeon that walked around that restaurant to make sure that they were all sliced in half right in the middle. And all the impatient workers in that restaurant wanted to slice them as fast as they could. Some were sliced so thin you could read a newspaper through them. Some were sliced so thick you couldn't chew them. It's, it's impatient. But you know what? The next bun. Do you remember that, guys? The next bun. When you're looking at a mountain to do, just take the next bun and do it and be patient about it. Before you know it, the pile's gone. And before you know it, there's an anthill in your yard that when you look at the size of an ant and the size of a, a grain of sand or a grain of dirt, there was a lot of trips to that pile. Because they didn't give up. Christians work patiently. And the Bible teaches us patience. Because it tells us to go to the ant. It tells us to look at the farmer. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. The farmer is a great example of patience. Things will come. The cream will rise to the top. Cream won't rise to the top in one minute. But if you'll let that milk sit for just a little while, the cream will rise to the top. If you shake it real good, it'll stay mixed up for a little while. Patience. Patience. Let, let time have its uh, work. You know, the compound interest of time, the Bible talks about interest. The Lord said, why didn't you take my talents and put them and give them to the bank so that they could earn some interest? You know, when you start, you earn interest the first year and you say, oh, that's so pitiful. Give yeah, it in the second year. In the second year, you earn interest on the interest you earned in the first year. In the third year, you earn interest on the interest you made in the second year that was off the interest of the first year. And if you'll just let that go to work for you and be patient... It'll outwork you in the long run. Proverbs 28. Look at verse 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Vain persons. Lottery. Vegas. Most network marketing systems. 
They're telling you they have a business opportunity for you and you can get rich rather easily because all you got to do is tell somebody about this great product and force it on them and tell them that it's overpriced for a reason because it's three times as good as anything else. Get them to pay four times as much for it as what they could buy at the store and you can be successful. Vain talk. Why not get up and go to work in some real profession? That isn't a profession. Do you know why they're doing it? Because they only have one ability. It's all they've got. And they're good at it. And if you've ever heard them, they're good at it. And they could enter any field and make the same amount of money by doing this. Because a good salesman can make money with a good mouth. Speaking ability and salesmanship and charisma and a sanguine temperament are valuable. And they'll be paid for. You know, they could be a drug rep. Take one drug, put it in their trunk, and go visit the best doctors in town. If they were to use their looks, their charisma, and their speech, they could make just as much money as they make at the top of a network marketing scheme. And guess what? They would still make it five years from now when the network marketing scheme falls apart or the leaders of it are put in prison because it's an illegal Ponzi scheme, fraud scheme, or pyramid or mail chain mail. Because it's a real job. You don't want to listen to people that come after you with vain ideas about making money. Why are they coming after you? Because they love you? They're related to you? Why are they coming after you? Because they need you. But unless you buy their overpriced product, they're out of work, they're unemployed, and they're down at the unemployment office. That's why they're coming after you. It's not because they love you. The Lord loves you. Your Father in Heaven loves you. And He's trying to save you from all those distractions by telling you to get a real job. And this is a real job in verse 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. This isn't talking about a man sitting on a tower that football coaches have at a football field in order to look at all the men out there tilling for him. This is the man tilling. Get out there and till your field. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Verse 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. That's a man who is faithful in what God's given him to do and does it day in, day out. This man shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You're going to mess up. You will not be faithful with the calling God gave you because they will distract you with this easy riches, get rich quick ideas. They'll distract you. And that distraction that will make you less of an employee or less of a worker where you should be working is displeasing to God because you're wanting to haste with your feet to do something that doesn't work. Verse 21, to have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. That's in verse 20, now it's in verse 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. These are, these are verses that we want to take in and understand as much as we can about what they're saying. From lotteries to Vegas to certain network marketing schemes to most network marketing schemes. Because most network marketing schemes do not emphasize the product. They emphasize the business opportunity that they can help you say, so long, man, and walk off your job. But God never tells us to do that. We want to be thankful for the man who is risking his capital and giving us a real job. And do you know what? All of you that are working for the man, you never come and bug me about buying some stupid product. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you are making tires, making airplanes, putting in 
irrigation systems and everything else that this church does, rather than coming me and telling me that I need to do something really weird and pay a whole lot of money for something I didn't know I even needed. If there's a need for it, all you got to do is put it on the shelf and have one person buy it. If there's a real need for it. I've seen, I've, we only get to go once in life. And every year that we go, here are the doors of opportunity to America. Austin, right now, Mark Frederick. Right now, the doors of opportunity in America are this wide for you. Adam, Anthony, they're this wide. Every year that you waste right now, if you waste this year at school, these are the doors of opportunity in America. They do this. If you do it again next year, they do this. And they will close. You will get married. You will have children. You will have an, in, an expense level that requires a great deal of income. You will not be able to go back to school and get a transferable skill. Right now, the doors are open wide. And every one of you young men, tomorrow is an opportunity that God's given you to go to school and learn. I don't care if it's school at home or where it is. Learn something so that you can go out and perform like a Joseph, like a Daniel, like a David, and like the others in the Bible. Learn. But these doors are closing. Be patient. Don't think that you can jump outside these doors of opportunity and make it. If you jump outside and get distracted with things, you know, some get distracted with sports. Some get distracted with grades. So they get some nerdy degree that doesn't help them a bit in the world. you got to think about what degree you're getting. Some get distracted with extracurricular activities. Some get distracted with get-rich-quick schemes. And every time they do that, chunk, chunk. And all of a sudden, you can't make the kind of living you would like to make. And all of a sudden, you can't work the field that you would like to work. The doors are open wide. There's never been a country with more opportunity than the one you're in right now. You were born in a generation that allows you more privileges than any generation that has ever lived in the history of this world, even with our economic difficulties at this time. It is absolutely wonderful. This scares me to death. I've seen grown men having to work the most menial uh, entry-level jobs with minimum wage. Because they wasted time. And it's closing all the time. While you're young, oh, while you're young, the doors are open wide. What, what can't you do? What can't you do? Stephen, I'm, at, I'm talking to you. What can't you do? You don't have to answer. I am talking to you. You can do anything you want right now. Can your dad do anything he wants right now? Can he quit right now and go back to be a doctor? That would be incredibly painful and incredibly difficult. We all know that, don't we, brother? The Lord's put us in our calling. And you know what the Bible says? To be content with our calling. But right now, while you're young, be patient. Go to school and understand that there is a... You're, oh, you're, you're accomplishing something. Oh, yeah. Is this school year ever going to end? Did the other 12 in front of it end? Lewis? Okay. It'll end, too. But you know what? A school year is going to end pretty soon, and you'll, you're going to wish that you had paid attention a little bit better. I did. I wish I'd have paid attention better. Then, then when you get out there and you start working, guys, don't get distracted. Can I use you? To... Two people back there sitting side by side, in love, married. They both started a job about 40 years ago. Both started a job 40 years ago. 
You weren't paid at the beginning, which you were paid at the end, were you? But you just stayed, not quite, not hardly, not even close. They just stayed at it year after year. Patience. They didn't get distracted. I've seen people get distracted, waste years, years, hoping, dreaming, dreaming, hoping. We want to show you your dream. Really? No, they don't. They want to show you their dream. They want you to fulfill their dream. Just stick at it. Year after year, income goes up, retirement gets better. Christians work patiently because the ant tells us to work patiently. Because the Lord gives us the example of tilling. Notice he didn't pick being a captain over a thousand or a captain over a hundred. Or being the man of war that Joab was. Or being a king. He did, or a philosopher or a teacher. He didn't go to any profession. He went to farming because he wanted you to get the idea. Farming is a slow prog- progression. In a, in a year's time. You have to wait all year to see what you're going to get for the effort you put in the spring. And then to take a little bit of leftover from that year, plant it in the ground the next year, and take a little bit more of the leftover and buy an ox so that you can buy some more acreage. All of it takes time, and the Bible is trying to teach you that by telling you about that verse and not to be distracted by all the ideas that men come up with. Wealth gotten by patient labor will increase. Labor is something that you do patiently day after day. Wealth gotten by labor will increase. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Greed of gain is an evil. Look at 1527 in the book of Proverbs. We don't want to be greedy. We don't want to be impatient. Lord, help us to be patient. The world is constantly bombarding us. Are you still in that dead-end job? Is it really a dead-end? Who said it's a dead-end job? There's only two people I know. The devil and those that listen to him. Because a job isn't dead-end. If a man goes and does his job, pays the Lord 10%, pays himself 10%, he's going to retire in 30 years with a great estate. Go sit down with a piece of paper and calculate it. That dead-end job. A job isn't a dead-end. Their ideas are dead-end. The talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Going to a sales meeting and getting a warm and fuzzy feeling because you said the pledge the flag saw a Rolex, a yacht, and two houses is not labor. It's the talk of the lips. Where's the productive labor? Go show me a farmer. Let me smell cow manure. I was polite. Let me smell that cow manure. Because there's real labor going there. Because the only way they can eat is that they're taken care of and they're being fed. And they're leaving cow manure behind. That means they're growing. Because if there's cow manure, there's something going in. And that means there's something staying on their bones and they're going to market soon. It's farming. It's the example the Bible gives us. Even the king is fed by the field. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. It's patience about your labor. Be thankful for every job you have and be the best at it. Proverbs 15, 27, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, messes up his family. That house does not mean he troubles the paint so it peels faster than ordinary. This is about the family that lives in the house. This is about your, your downline in biological terms. This is about your family tree. He that is greedy of gain messes up his own family, but he that hateth gifts shall live. That greediness of gain there is focused primarily on taking bribes and, and submitting to extortion. Christians work patiently. You know, we had an expression 
in investments that while bulls and bears can make money in any market, pigs end up eating garbage. Because they're greedy. Look at 27.8. Proverbs 27 and verse 8. But I'm a bond slave. You say to me, but I'm a bond slave. That is a dead-end job. Who told you that? It's only two people. The devil and those that listen to him. Who told you that being a bond slave is a dead-end job? I thought Joseph did okay as a bond slave. I thought Daniel did okay as a neutered bond slave. Don't tell me about a dead-end job. You're only a slave? Be the best slave there can possibly be. You're the Lord's freeman. Let the Lord bless. Let the Lord direct. Let the Lord take care of you. He won't take care of you if you're looking over the fence to see the grass and think it's greener over there. Love what you've got in front of you. Be content with the vocation wherewith ye are called. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 27 and verse 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. If you have a place and God made you a farmer, God made you a carpenter, God made you a glass installer, God made you an irrigation man, God made you a banker. I don't care what it is in here. Don't wander from it. If you find a better job, make sure that you've got it in hand before you give your notice. That's a privilege of living in our country. But don't wander from your place like a bird that would leave her eggs. As a bird that wandereth from her nest. What would we think of a bird that wanders from her nest, forgot where it was, and the, and, the, and the eggs don't come to maturity and there's no young? What would we think? Just stupid. A wasted bird. A wasted life. Wasted eggs. So is a man that wandereth from his place. And even if your place is a bond slave, be the best. The Lord will take care of you. Hmm. I just thought of another verse, and I don't think I... It's the verse that says, A servant that wisely takes care of his master, his master will give him an inheritance among his sons. Don't tell me about dead-end jobs. The Lord doesn't allow that. The Lord said, in in how much labor? Just labor, not in dead-end jobs? Just creative labor? Just network marketing labor? No, in all labor there is profit. Especially when the Lord's the paymaster. Wise Christians don't get suckered into business opportunities that aren't really business opportunities or into investment scams because they're negative, critical, and skeptical, and pessimistic. 14.8, Proverbs 14.8, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools get deceived by folly because they don't understand their way. They hear something and it sounds good. That sounds like verse thir- chapter 13, maybe 14, 15. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Yeah. Don't believe what you hear. The person that's talking to you, why do they want to tell you the truth? How do you know they're telling you the truth? What's their motive for telling you the truth? If they're not a Christian, how can you believe them? Why would you believe them? Why would you want to believe them? 
If they're wearing a Rolex and standing in front of a bunch of poor people that are there to buy their overpriced soap, you wouldn't want to believe them. And a skeptical man wouldn't believe them. The simple believeth every word, but a prudent man looketh well to his going. He is always skeptical and negative and pessimistic and critical. What good is optimism? I don't need optimism. All I need is a thankful heart for all that God has done. That's all you need. Optimism is blinding and stupid. Pessimism, skepticism, prudence, questioning. On what basis are you saying that? That doesn't make sense. We, everybody in this room can't end up being a millionaire in two years. That doesn't make sense. And so you criticize it and you question it. Because that's what the Bible tells us and that's part of being patient in your profession. Do what God has given you to do. Don't wander from your nest. Do it patiently and the reward will come. God will bring the reward. He never fails. He'll provide for you. The verses we just looked at were 14.8. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. He understands exactly what he is going after and how he's going to get there and how it works. But the folly of fools is deceit. They get deceived into continuing to be fools in foolishness. Because they don't slow down and question things and attack them. Why in the world should I be open to a business opportunity? I should want to tear it to shreds. Listen, there was a reason that a man I knew was once called Little Hitler in the job he had. Because he loved to question everything. And if you can't prove it, it's squat. Prove it. Prove it in numbers. Don't tell me about what happened to so-and-so. That isn't proof of anything. You don't know how it happened to so-and-so. Testimonials are worthless. They are not the evidence of anything. Talk of the lips. That's what a testimonial is. The talk of the lips attendeth the penury. Why do, you, why do you have to rely on a testimonial? Why would a product ever need a testimonial unless it was trying to steal from you? Why don't they take their product to a third party and have it tested in a double-blind placebo test to find out if it has any value? Why don't they do that? Why don't they give it to a third party and just turn it over to let somebody that's critical, negative, pessimistic, and very skilled in that field tear it to shreds? Why don't they do that? It'd be cheaper than publishing all their literature because it wouldn't pass. That's why they do it. That's why they give testimonials. You know, they pop into my inbox all the time. You'd be amazed at what I could do to my body if I would take pills. You'd be amazed what they tell me. They tell me my wife will be happier forever if I'll just take this pill that they offer when it comes into my inbox. And they've got all these testimonials, testimonial after testimonial. So what? why do they have to give me testimonials? Because there's no scientific evidence, real evidence, hard evidence, good evidence, sound evidence to back up what they're doing. So all of that is to say Christians work patiently. You know what I'm trying to save you from? Wasting one week of your life chasing a dream. Dreams don't pay, but a job will. A tree job will pay. Any job will pay. All, in all labor, there's profit. That's what the Bible says. It's not Jonathan Crosby. I'm just a terrible mouthpiece for the Word of God. In all labor, there is profit. Right. If you think that a sales meeting is productive, 
Where in the world did you get off? What in the world? Where did you go to school? Have you ever read the Bible? That is just to keep the suckers buying. Don't you understand? That isn't a business opportunity. Patience. Patience. Joseph. How old was he when he went down into Egypt? 17. How old was he when he first stood before Pharaoh? 30. Is 13 years a pretty long time? Did he have some pretty ugly jobs in the meantime? Did he have to clean up in a prison and take care of prisoners? 13 years? Did it pay off? You say, well, that's Joseph. Who says the Lord's going to do it for me? In all labor there is profit. The hand of the diligent shall be made fat. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. What, how many more verses do you need? Do you need it in the mouth of ten witnesses? Patient labor in what God has called you to do will work. Don't wander from your nest. Every man has a gift. Every man is able to do something well. And you should find out where you can do that thing that God made you able to do. Some of you can do things that I can't even imagine doing. You scare me. I don't understand how you can look at things and figure them out and do them and do something with your hands more productive than typing on a keyboard. Because God gives every man a gift. There's something that you can find and you can do and you shouldn't wander from that nest. You should stay right there. And mother those eggs and let them hatch and let them have more until you take over the forest, as Solomon would say by that verse. 22.3 warns us that a prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. They don't look closely enough, so they pass on and get punished. To quit your real job, to go follow a dream... And it's just so stupid. But a prudent man, he thinks, if I quit my job, there's no income coming in. After I get my family and friends into this deal, who else do I have? I think I ought to keep my job. That's what a, how a prudent man reasons. And the Bible warns us about that. And the Bible wants you to be prudent. Sit down and think. Think. Don't ever think at a sales meeting. Think on your own. Doesn't add up. Okay, I'll stay at my job and I'm going to do it well. Rainbow, Britannica, I love you. I was going to leave that unsaid. Now it's Lockheed Martin. Don't wander from your nest. It's a great nest. Had a great year. 1116 in the book of Proverbs. I remember some distressful conversations a long time ago, and I thank the Lord. The last five words of Proverbs 11:16 and strong men retain riches. Christians work frugally. Frugally means that Christians preserve some of their income by limiting expenses. We live, we live in a society that doesn't just spend all they make. They spend all they can borrow beyond what they can make. Then we live in a society that spends all they can spend beyond what they can borrow, beyond what they take in an income. We are talking about spending money in our nation from the top down. This is a philosophy of our nation of spending money that has not yet been raised in the market. 
Where will the one trillion come from? Where will the multiplied trillions that are outside of your vision, because they're only putting the trillion in the paper, where does it come from? That money will have to be raised. When that money is raised, it is going to upset the economic situation of this entire world. Because the, the nations of this world hold their cash reserves in U.S. Treasury obligations. And when our Treasury has to go and issue that much, that the world has the supply of debt issues that the world has never seen unless God is merciful to us and does a miracle, there will be a price to pay. They are wanting to spend something they can't even borrow. Right. Because it hasn't been borrowed yet. Oh, Lord, help us. When we have that blown at us from the top down politically, when you turn on the television, you see everybody wanting to buy, 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 and all these fancy pictures with pretty girls and all these cars under certain kind of lighting to make them look so attractive that rust just as fast as the car you have in your driveway. When you see all this emphasis on spending and you get these credit cards, these free credit cards that you didn't even ask for in the mail at least once a week, and they give you these checks. They send you these checks. Just, just endorse this baby and spend it. Spend. The Bible tells us that it's not how we work. Christians work frugally. That means they preserve some of their income by limiting expenses and saving some. It's not the, it's not the high cost of living that destroys men. It's the cost of high living that destroys nations, men, and businesses. It's overexpansion and overbuilding that destroys businesses. You know, someone came to me at break time and said, Italian Market and Grill is gone from Woods Lake Road, there at Haywood. On and on the list is going to go. It's overspending. The Bible teaches us to live frugally. 11.16, strong men retain riches. Not my words, the Lord's words. Strong men retain riches. They were strong to earn them. They were strong to save some of them. They were strong to avoid investment scams. They were strong not to lose them to anyone else. They insured them. They protected them. Strong men retain riches. So what comes in? You want to keep some of it if you want to please the Lord. 27.24. In the book of Proverbs. Yes, the book of Proverbs is the primary place. Paul did not need to repeat all the Proverbs of Solomon all he has to do is say, not slothful in business, and there's enough in those four words to know we should go back to the book of Proverbs where slothfulness is dealt with extensively. He does the same thing on most subjects. He says, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How do you know how to do it? You go back to the book of Proverbs where Solomon dealt with it at length. Paul just gets us started by reminding us of the duty. He doesn't tell us how to do it. Solomon tells us how to do it. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 24, riches are not forever. Riches are not forever. What that means is your savings, what you've got right now is not forever. And you need to keep your eye on it and look very diligently to what's happening to it, what could happen to it, so that you can protect it. Your job. Look at the context here. Verse 23, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Because the pounds you get per month, the, the, the pound... The price per pound of mutton is not always going to be the same. Sheep meat. It's going to change. And you need to be on top of those changes because that's what a strong man does. Strong men first earn the money by being diligent, which we've already covered. 
Then they fight the desire to spend it. Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. The government spends. They encourage us to spend. They reward us for spending. They give us a tax deduction if we spend. Advertisers want us to spend. The neighbors spend. The neighbors are in debt. Until the last six months, the average U.S. person, meaning all the people added up all together, had a negative savings rate. Negative. They spent over 100% of their income. There shouldn't be anybody in here even close to that. You say, well, i gotta live. I got to spend close to 100%. No, you don't. You can always cut expenses. Always cut expenses. And this economy is going to help you cut them if you don't learn how on your own. You can always cut expenses. You can always cut them again. Always. 21.17 He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. This is, God, this is God's word. This is God's word. This is how he wants us to walk. This is how we can please him more and more. This isn't in here just as a suggestion. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. You better watch your love of pleasure. It'll take your money and leave you poor. If you've been loving pleasure and haven't been saving like you should have over the last 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's going to be exposed. It could be exposed. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. So we're not going to meet our financial goals if we love the good life. You know, they want to show you the lifestyles of the rich and famous. You want to live in such and such a subdivision. You want to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, in the metaphor that we use in our country. Look at verse 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Save, save, save. The point being, Christians work frugally. They are very careful about their expenditures, so they have some of their income left. They set it aside. If you spend everything, you ain't got anything left of what you earned. Save some of it. Save! The Lord says save. Go to the ant and save like they do. They don't even have a guide, overseer, or ruler, but they save. Save. Live frugally. Live well within your means. Don't live equal to your means. Don't live close to your means. And by all means, don't live above your means. Do you know the easiest way to budget? So, you got pay? 10% to the Lord, 10% to savings, live on the rest, and never break any of the above three rules. You don't need QuickBooks. You don't need anything. You can start with 10% to the Lord, 10% to you. You don't touch what's given to you because it's savings, and you live on the rest. And you don't break any of these three rules. That's all you need. It's so simple. You say, but if I lived on what was left, I wouldn't be able to get... <laughs> okay. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. I know that it may restrict you a little bit, but wouldn't it be wonderful our government did that? If our government took in your taxes, gave 10% to the Lord, 10% to future disasters that may face this nation, and lived on the rest? King of Persia once did that. And if you want to read about the power and wealth of Xerxes, go read about it. They built the house of God in Jerusalem on the public dole. He that followeth after, verse 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, 
because a wise man lives frugally. Christians work frugally. Brethren, we do not know what is coming, but the Bible has told us and is telling us what we ought to do. Strong men resist the propensity to consume. That's an economic expression describing what is built into every man, and that is when income increases, they want to go spend it all. Christians don't do that because they have another mechanism inside. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God that as income goes up, ah, now I can save more as a percentage. I can save another percent because now I have more income. I can still spend a little bit more, but now I can save more. Oh, that's a wise man, and there's treasure in his dwelling place. It takes a strong man to be able to do that. Easy credit and undisciplined spending are the ruin of governments, businesses, and men. What was that? Easy credit, like credit cards. Undisciplined spending, just going out and spending. Because it looks good, it's on sale. It's on sale. A $100 item is on sale. It's now 60 bucks. I've got to buy it by all means. If you really think that you're doing something wise, what bank could you put the 40 bucks in? If they offered it at 90% off, why would you buy it unless you absolutely needed it? Why would you buy it? Unless you've got so much treasure stored up in your place that you can have a little bit of blow money, because that's exactly what it's called when you buy something you don't need. It's called blow money because you're blowing it away. Overexpanding, overbuilding, overhiring, this bloated economy. I love to see Starbucks close. Amen. I love to see... No, no, no offense to you two. Listen, no, oh, oh. I should. Brugger's Bagels. I'll, Starbucks. For anybody that thinks that they could buy Class A real estate and put a freestanding building on it and sell $5 cups of coffee, that they were going to survive in the long run, that is a nation that has gone to seed. Every time they... I've had bets on this baby for years. Every time they close a few more, that's just, I can't help it, even in my office. Mm. <laughs> Five bucks a cup of coffee? Listen, can't you go to Dunkin' Donuts and get it for a buck fifty and it tastes better? What does it cost at Dunkin' Donuts? Buck ninety-five, buck fifty? You know where it all comes from? Our, whole, our, our government does it. Spend, 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 even though they have no money. Overbuild and overexpand. Put these Starbucks everywhere. And you know what? Television tells you to do it. Advertising tells you to do it. Your neighbors tell you to do it. School tells you to do it. You've got to keep your kids dressed like the other kids at school and on and on. Your cars in your driveway better look like the neighbor's cars in their driveway. All this pressure. But the Christian works frugally. He measures by God's word. He knows that when he gets income, he's thankful for it. He gives to God first. He pays the Lord. He gives, puts in savings like the ant because the Bible tells him to. And he lives in the rest. And he disciplines himself to fit the rest. And that's what a Christian does. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. That we will be diligent, patient, and frugal. As we face an uncertain future. And as we look into the word of God and see the financial goals that he has set for each one of us. May we do those three things. Tomorrow, may the cream rise to the top at every employer that has one of you working for them. May you be a standout tomorrow in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord be honored by everything that has been said. May the Lord be honored more than that by everything that we do in the rest of this day and when we get up tomorrow. Let us get up with zeal and do what the Lord has put in front of us. Let's not wander from our nest. Let's do it well. 
And may the Lord be with each one of you. And may the Lord prosper the work of our hands. As it is said in the scriptures. Amen.